We are talking to Leora Noy. She's a bit of an expert on all things mum and baby. She's a perinatal nurse. She's a lactation consultant. And uh, she's also a student of counseling to help mums experience postnatal experiencing postnatal distress. Hmm. Not to mention she's a mum herself. She's mm-hmm. got three kiddo- kiddos. Now, Leora has partnered with Dr. Rana Carroll to form the Wellington Family Support Hub in Newtown, and she's here to talk to us about the hub and the kinds of support that new families can find there. Hi, Leora. Welcome to B-Side Stories. Hi. Thank you for having me, Laura. Oh. So tell us about the Wellington Family Support Hub. Sure. So Rona and me actually started working together um, almost four years ago. We set up the Newton Breastfeeding Center. Uh, we felt and we were told by some key people that there was a need for more um, breastfeeding support, free breastfeeding support in the community. Uh, so we joined up forces and uh, opened up the breastfeeding center in Newtown. Um, had to move a few times around just because it was not easy to find an accessible, cheap, affordable place. Mm-hmm. And we did want to keep it free, a free service. So we were doing that for about three years. Um, it was a free drop-in center. Any mom could come between 10 to 12 with her baby for any um, kind of breastfeeding support. Um, and we struggled financially the whole time. We, had a, we, had, we set up a trust and they fundraised for us and tried to keep us alive from year to year. Uh, but we both felt more and more the need to support moms not only in breastfeeding but other things as well. We wanted to help moms who were formula fitting as well and all kinds of things that every new mother um, faces. So that's why we opened up the Wellington Family Support Hub. Fantastic. So what kinds of additional services uh, other than uh, breastfeeding help and support can people find at uh, the support hub? Sure. So we we have two parts of the service. One is the uh, GP clinic. So Rona will do a mom-baby GP clinic. Uh, so a mom can just come and get a 40 minutes appointment with Rona to just talk about everything that's going on with her, medical or not medical. So mm-hmm. mental health, distress, a baby that's not sleeping, a baby that's, um, all babies don't sleep, but a baby that's, uh, <laughs> but talk about, you know, how you can cope with a baby that's not sleeping because no baby sleeps, um, baby that's been um, having a lot of reflux, um, mm. unsettled babies, and also uh, mental health issues. Um, and Rona will just give a 40, 45 minute appointment and, and do, see both the mom and the baby. Also for a tongue tie, we're having lots and lots of tongue tie discussions and diagnosis in the community more and more. So she can also um, ask us for a tongue tie and see if there's a need to treat that as well. Okay. Uh, say that again. Uh, yes. What, what was that last one you were tongue talking tie. Tongue tie is a huge uh, term in the breastfeeding world in the last uh, few years. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's when a baby... This one. Yeah, yeah, everybody's talking about tongue ties. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, we all have a frenulum under our tongue <laughs> that keeps our tongue in place, but sometimes a bit too short or sometimes a bit too tight and our tongue can't move the way it should be moving. When a baby has that and it's tongue movement is restricted, they can't breastfeed well and they cause mom some pain. Sometimes, not always, but can happen. So um, we have a few providers in the community that can assess that. Uh, For the first six weeks of baby's life, it can be assessed and baby treated in the hospital. But after the baby is six weeks old, it's actually quite quite a costly procedure to treat that. So Rona will be seeing those patients as well and will offer a free, uh, a low cost treatment for that as well. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So things sort of in this field kind of move along quite quickly. And oh, yes. You're always finding out <laughs> yes. more and different things. Yes. So alongside her service, we also have still the Breastfeeding Support Center. 
Uh, and uh, but I also can see mums for other things as well. So as you said, I can also see mums for some PND counselling. I suffered PND myself um, with one of my children, so I know how that feels. I know how it feels when you really actually don't want your baby at that moment, or all you want to do is just throw the baby out of the window sometimes. Mm. Uh, so I can, uh, I'm very happy to talk to moms about that as well mm. and those feelings and, and get them to access other services, so just help them cope as well. So PND is that postnatal distress. Yes. And I hadn't even heard of it talked th- talked about that way. I've always heard postnatal depression. Right. Mm. Is that a different thing? It is a different one because we are recognizing that many, many moms actually don't have only depression or depression, they actually have anxiety, which is huge. Mm. Um, so that's why we they changed the term to distress that mm. covers both depression and anxiety. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be something that both you and Rana have a lot of experience in. Yes. Yes, we try. Yeah. I mean, we've been, I experienced it myself and we both go to conferences and just read a lot about it. And um, yes, we, we're trying to um, become more and more knowledgeable about it because I think we think it's a huge field that needs more people to um, be able to offer services. Yeah. So it's... Uh, I mean, is it relatively common? Do a lot of people have it or a lot of people have it and don't even, don't even talk about it, I can imagine? Yes. I would say it's at least 10% of moms who get mm. depressed or anxious. It's very, very, very common. I see it many times in Wellington, I think, because we have lots of moms that are very isolated here mm. that have their family far away or even in the South Island, but still far away. Uh, so it's a combination of isolation, loneliness, desperation of just... Um, many moms who were used to having a very busy professional life and feeling in control all of a sudden are locked up in their house. That's how they feel. They feel locked up even if they're not locked up, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, alone all day at home with a baby and having no control on their lives. Now it's a baby controlling their life. And that brings huge feelings of, um, yes, desperation, sadness, depression, anxiety. Mm. And what kind of... Is it counseling that people need or what kind of treatment options are there if they're in that position? Right. So the whole Wellington Family Support Hub thing that we are setting up is it's a very holistic approach. So we think many things can work. And we do think, yes, counseling has a huge, um, there's a huge room for counseling, but also other things like it's just, for example, having mom have a routine where she goes out every morning, you know, just setting up a routine with her. So if you do have everything that you something that you're going to go out to every morning, that's going to make you feel completely different, yeah? Uh, so changing routines, talking about sleep and the effect on depression and how it can maybe make you have a nap. Uh, it's really interesting for me because I'm Mexican and our, in our culture we all nap. Yes. And it's wonderful. <laughs> There's so much less depression when we all nap. But to make a Kiwi mom nap, it's a huge effort. Mm. I just had a, a client, a patient, a client yesterday in the morning and I was trying yeah. to talk her into napping and she just kept saying, I can't nap. But she's sleeping three hours a night this day. So she wow. has to nap. So, of course, you're getting depressed and teary and weepy. So I told, I told her partner, you have to make her nap. That's your homework. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yes. So sleep is huge. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So uh, that that's uh, an interesting comment because you talk about bringing the partner in as well. Sure. What, what kind of um, support for dads is there at the mm. support hub? That's a very good question. So we always want the dad to be there, especially when we're doing the breastfeeding support as well. Dads are... Um, a huge component of breastfeeding success. There's lots of studies that show that the mom who gets support from the partner will succeed um, better in breastfeeding uh, and vice versa. Uh, so we always want to have the dad right there and just have, have give him ideas of what he can do because dads feel powerless. Dads feel like there's no room for them because it's only the mom and the baby. So dads ask us, okay, what can I do? Mm. Or they don't even ask, but just kind of stand in the corner and not doing anything. So I tell the dad, why don't you give a mom a massage while she's breastfeeding? Because actually if you give a massage right in the back of the neck, that's going to release the hormone, the oxytocin that's going to release more milk, for example. 
Um, and I, t- I teach daddies how to help a baby with having a bit of a tummy ache. You know, there's a certain daddy hole that I teach. So we do try to include that as much as possible. Great idea. Mm. Mm. That's so cool, Leora. <laughs> mm, beautiful. And are there, are you su- surprised or are there a lot of people coming through? Have you seen the numbers grow at all? or So we, we just opened up a couple of weeks ago, actually. Yes. And we changed the service. So it used to be a drop-in service where moms would just drop in and now it's by appointment. Right. And we've been flooded. Yesterday I was completely, it was supposed to be for two hours and I was three and a half, three and a half hours nonstop seeing mom after mom. So I got phone calls in the morning begging to see yes. me, even though I was completely booked already. And yes, it's been going very well for the breastfeeding component. For the GP clinic, not yet. I think mm. still people have to hear about that option as well. Yes. But the breastfeeding uh, component very much so, yes. We're also going to offer groups. So we're going to offer a group, um, a play group for moms who have depression, who have PND. Great. Because those moms have a um, huge challenge going into a big group of moms who are all very happy, or at least pretending to be happy, <laughs> so they can actually come to my group and not pretend to be happy and say how miserable they are. And we will offer also offer a Spanish-speaking uh, mom's group as Beautiful. well. And parenting classes. That's fantastic. Just to, just to get it out of the way, tell us where people can find the sure. Family Support Hub. <laughs> so we do have a website, so you can just Google uh, Wellington Family Support Hub and you'll find it right away. Um, and we are in 100 Riddeford Street, behind the Lichgate Center in the back, mm. which is the Domino's Midwives Clinic Rooms. And because we're hiring rooms from them right now, it's only one day a week, but we hope to change that later. Yeah. So it's every Monday right now. And you can always um, call me. Uh, the, my phone is on the website and just make an appointment with Dr. Rona or with me through their phone number or email us. Yeah. Thanks, Leora. You're welcome. Now, I wanted to ask you about your personal experience a little more as well. Uh, just what drew you to working with mums and babies in the first place? Oh, that's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> took me a long time to find my way in life. <laughs> I think only about when I was 30. Um, that's a good question. I think I've always was drawn to the um, emotional and mental health of mums. Again, going through being a mum on my own experience and just... I think I realized how much you can learn as a mom and much how much you need to learn as a mom. I remember how much my um, first, actually, early child education teacher that we had for my first son, how much he taught me about being a mom. And I think I wanted to be the same for other people. Mm. And I just went, I went through the route of, I wanted to be a mid, become a midwife, but I just found my route to breastfeeding support because I was very patient, which is quite mm. amazing. My husband thinks I'm the most impatient person in the world. <laughs> but with moms and babies, I'm actually very patient. I don't know how it happens. But I just found that actually I, was, I could actually be there with a mom and a baby. Um, and again, as I said, I did have depression with one of my children as well. So I do um, recognize that. And, and I just recognize as well, again, how many mistakes I made through the way because I wasn't told or wasn't taught things that mm. I could actually have gained with if somebody just had told me. <laughs> yeah. So I just love the idea of being the one who actually tells mom about things and, and, and helps them prevent some of the big mistakes I made along the way. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the scary thing about becoming a <laughs> mom is well, you, you're totally clueless yes. and you need some guidance along the way. Yes. But what's hard for these days for these moms, and that's another reason we set up this center, is moms are getting so much conflicting advice. So they right. go to the midwife, she says one thing. They go to the planker, she says one thing. They go to the GP, she says one thing. They open the book, there's a fourth thing. They go to the antenatal group, there's a fifth thing. So moms get very, very confused. And that's one of the main reasons for the anxiety right. among moms. Right. It's just they don't know what to do. They're kind of lost touch with their own gut feeling and their own compass. And mm. they just are flooded by all this very conflicting, very different advice, whether to let the baby cry at night or not whether to uh, breastfeed or formula feed or whether, you know, and then they just get very, very confused. And that's what we're trying to um, 
given an approach that's very holistic, very evidence-based, and very much there's many ways that help you find the way that fits you and your family and your philosophy and your gut feeling and what you f- makes you feel good as a mum. Fantastic. Yeah. Sounds good. And also, I think when you're in that place and um, that someone like you be- can become the most important mm. person in your world at that time. So, yeah, lovely, lovely duty or gift, I'm sure, to many women. Is it a very emotional job to do, Leora? Oh, it is. Mm. Yes, it is. I mean, in, in both both ways. It's very um, sad sometimes because I get very sad for the mums for things that they've gone through or things they're feeling too. But it's also very rewarding when a mum really gives me a huge hug and said, Literally, they told me, it's like, you save us, <laughs> you know, you saved me. And, and, I, and you, they do feel that way at that moment, you know, and it's, so it's very, very rewarding. That, yeah. Beautiful. And how is your, your personal, you talk a lot about, you're just open about your experience of mm-hmm. um, postnatal depression, not, de- not depression or yes, depression. Yes. One of those. <laughs> yes. Distress. That's what we're calling mm-hmm. it. Uh, and how did that influence you? Was that a big factor in wanting to wanting to pursue emotional and mental health of mums like like you talked about? Yes, definitely. So with me, it was depression, it was an anxiety. Yeah. And definitely, because again, I think a mum who's going through depression feels a lot of, huge lot of guilt. Uh, she feels she's the only one feeling that way. She feels there's no way that other mums are feeling what she's feeling. She knows that everybody's expecting her to be happy and loving her baby. And when she doesn't feel that way, when she doesn't love her baby, when she doesn't feel happy, she feels completely... Um, yeah, insane and, and, and full of guilt and anxiety and shame. Uh, so because I was there and I was there for a whole year and things completely changed for me after that and I'm in love with my child uh, these days, um, I know how it feels. So I really f- think, I, I, really, I really sincerely think that to work with these moms, you really have to be there and mm. feel it and then you can really work with them and understand what they've been through. And they know it. They, know that they, under- they see that you actually understand because they see that you actually went through that as well. Mm. Uh, so yes, that's what drew me to that work. To this work, yeah, great, Leora. Um, I wanted to ask about the the breastfeeding center as well, mm-hmm. because are there are they still going to exist, or are they going to be? Um, is the breastfeeding center going to exist in the cl- in the family hub, or how's yes. it all going to work now? Yes, so it's all yes. So the breastfeeding center is part of the uh, Wellington Support Hub right now. So three hours of the we have about five six hours that we have in those rooms. Mm-hmm. Three hours are dedicated to the breastfeeding support center, but it's just changed. Instead of just dropping in, now you have to call and make an appointment. And then I and then it's it's actually really nice because I can see the moms on their own in a private setting, whereas before we were seeing them in, all together in a one big hall, which was nice as as well because they could see each other and support each other. But I couldn't really give individual attention, especially to mental health issues that were going on. Some of those moms, I mean, almost half of them, sometimes more, end up crying in really d- big distress when they come for breastfeeding support. And sometimes it's just all they need is just actually the freedom not to breastfeed because sometimes breastfeeding is not for them at that moment in life. And they just need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard to do that kind of thing when you're in a big room full of people. Mm-hmm. So now I have my own room where I can see them and give them individual attention and just help through what's going on, whether it's supporting their breastfeeding journey or actually saying, you know, this is not for you. Let's just give it up and do some other things that you can still be one, a wonderful mom and not breastfeeding. That's okay as well. Yeah. Um, and then they still have the waiting room where you can actually meet other moms. So yesterday we had four moms in the waiting room chatting with each other, but I could still see each one of them alone mm. in the room. So we, they had both the peer support and my support. Yeah. Sounds like you've 
had a few trial and error situations and now you've got to set up just the way you like it. Yes, that's, we just need more hours though. <laughs> We're just dreaming of three days a week and not one day a week. We that's just, our next goal. You just need to <laughs> multiply into more people. Yes. No, not more people. Just we need rooms. We need, just need a, a place where we can actually be there for more than one day a week. Yeah. yeah so we just need money, basically. <laughs> or somebody to give a nice room for free. Mm. <laughs> yes. Uh, are a lot of the services still free of charge? Yes, they are free for anybody who cannot um, pay. They're all for free. So we're never going to take money from a woman who can't pay. Mm. Everything is for free for whoever uh, cannot pay. If you can't pay, we do ask for a suggested COHA, a suggested donation of 20 to $35. Yeah. Really cool, Liara. Do you have any other questions, Laurie? Um, I would, would just like to talk about, um, I think, to hear Leora's experience in the refugee camp. Is that okay? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just spent um, a few days um, in a refugee camp in Greece, and I think it's just something that we all in this beautiful, very far away country kind of um, need to just be reminded of that this huge problem exists in Europe. So um, I went to a camp that had 2,000 people um, in the northern a part of Greece, um, frontier of uh, Macedonia. And in this specific camp, there were about uh, 1,500 women and children living in miserable conditions. So they live in uh, tents, in makeshift tents that fall apart every night, and they have to put them again every morning because of the winds. They don't have showers. They don't have clothes. They get food twice a day from Medicines and Frontier, from Doctors Without Borders, uh, but it's really very small quantities. There's no milk for the children. Um, there's no games or toys for the children, which is quite heartbreaking. And they just sit there all day in the camps waiting for somebody to come to them. They can actually um, go to Europe, but that's not happening. Um, so I just went there as a breastfeeding support person. But um, I ended up not doing much of that. I ended up actually giving lots of formula and just supporting in any way I could. Um, so giving nuts and almonds for the pregnant woman and giving bananas to the babies. Um, very intense experience. Mm. Uh, very surreal uh, and very rewarding, but also heartbreaking. And I hope to come back. I hope to go back in July and August. I'm planning to go for a much longer time in over the winter. Where are the refugees from? There are many from Syria. Mm. Yes. So uh, in terms of language barriers, there is a huge language barrier. I actually know a little bit of Arabic, just a little bit, so I could kind of make a small conversation, but uh, it, there is a need for a translator as well. Right. Yeah. Lots of work. Lots of work. Uh, how long have the refugees been there, Leora? They, they, the camp I was there, they've been for two months, just stuck in the place, in the same place. Yeah. Right. Two months, but sort of no end date in sight. No ending in sight. And I was talking to this beautiful, extremely intelligent 17-year-old Syrian girl, just beautiful, and the same age of my, as my oldest son. So it was very heartbreaking for me. And she said, you know what? I actually prefer to um, go back to Syria and die there quickly than sit here and die slowly because nobody cares about us. We're like animals and we're just dying here slowly. And it was just, yeah. And, and she's right. Nobody does really care much. And they're just dying there slowly. That's what's happening. Um, yeah. So it, it was yeah very intense. What should we do, Liora? If you're a young person, and I know one extremely amazing young Kiwi that did this, you can just go and volunteer. <laughs> if you have a few weeks, months of your life, they have a huge need for just people that just go there and do anything that's needing to be done, whereas to give out bananas, give out food, play games with the kids, organize music, anything. Um, and if you, don't have ma if you don't have the time, there is lots of organizations to give out to. Um, Lighthouse Relief is one that you can just tr try and look on Facebook, Lighthouse Relief. They're doing a lot of work with the children there, if that's what you're keen on. And the organization I went with is called Nurture Project International, or NPI. 
And you can also look it up on Facebook, Nurture Project International, and they are focusing on the moms and the babies. So it's another place to um, give to if you are inclined. Cool. Thanks, Liara. We'll put the links on our website when we post our interview. Thank you.